What's happening, Mark? Well, hey there, Johnny. How you doing, buddy? I'm doing fantastic. Fantastic. Uh, I got to say, though, my wife came home with uh, a very interesting story the other day because she works in the school setting. She works, you know, middle schoolers, elementary schoolers, high schoolers, all that sort of stuff. But the middle schoolers she works with, they always have the weirdest stories, like weirdest shit. Okay. And one of them, like, she's, she's been talking to these couple of kids and one of them is super, like, like flamboyant and really excitable all the time and is constant like cutting up jokes and stuff they're not the best student but you know like they they they're kind of relatively popular like everybody knows and hangs out with them and he's got this best friend that is just the most awkward kid and she's like hey we just had a break and this kid came back and i swear he gained like four inches and his voice dropped like four octaves and all of a sudden it was just like oh yeah you just got hit by that puberty stick real real hard they got sent to her to go and talk because somebody busted in on the one kid, his best friend, and the one kid's girlfriend. And they're all just, like, hanging out. And one is just watching the other two, like, mac on each other. Oh, no. And it's just the most awkward, awkward thing. And, yeah, it's – I don't know. It was it was weird. It was hormonal. Um, the one kid said he's been acting out because his parents decided they wanted to build their own coffins. It was – it's just been a weird, weird thing, man. <laughs> Anyway, welcome to Dang Old Podcast, everybody. That was a that was a rough way to get to I that. I love it. I I love it when you set it up. I love when you set it up and then you take the hard friggin' idiot shift into whatever like that's the like through line joke punchline of it. Cause I was like in Rapture and I was like, yeah, yeah, what's going on? Oh, his parents are building his coffins. Oh, okay, good. All right, all right, there it is. God. Hey, yes. this is my blistering James <laughs> Taylor cover, and the night's about to shift into shitty, Mark. <laughs> Don't even, man. Don't even. I, I need a Momo sandwich. My girlfriend Momo, who's way too hot for me. <laughs> <laughs> Welcome to the Brad Neely podcast. Oh. This is a weekly podcast. Where... God, I would. Oh, my <laughs> God, I would. But I think that Streeter <clears throat> would like... Super Saiyan 3 it and then like fly out of Columbus and like fist punches both to death. We like. would do like 72 straight hours of recording if that was the case. And we would do the entirety of Brad Neely. Yes, but you'd we would just marathon it. Like that would be it. Just marathoning all of it. Oh. Like we'd watch a short, record like 10 minutes on it, watch a short, record 10 minutes. Yeah. Anyway, yes. Welcome to the Dangle Podcast. This is the weekly King of the Hill podcast where I, Mark, and my good buddy, Johnny, we take two episodes of King of the Hill and we talk about the good parts and the bad parts and the high points and the low points. We slap it with our patented rating system, but it's okay because we don't make our girlfriends watch because it's weird to watch. And Johnny, do you just want to get into it, buddy? Um, you know what? I'm going to take a a very fun pun here because I don't want to wait to start this episode. Retro reference rage, Dawson's Creek. Next. (laughs) Uh, Well, so, hey, oddly enough, episode 87 is literally named I Don't Want to Wait. And then the rest of the lyrics of that song is the rest of that song or is the rest of the the name of the the thing. Yeah, it's obnoxious. I'm well aware. I made that joke. And it's awful. I I just, I, I just. Man, we get all horned up for, like, a weird nostalgia for the 90s and, like, early thousands, but god damn, I don't miss... I don't want to wait. I don't either. Nope. Uh, so, 
episode 87. Um, we have an original air date of November 12th, 2000. We are hot off the presses of having George W. Bush having just having been elected uh, after some shaky business in Florida with hanging chads and uh, Al Gore not wanting to give up, even though he probably should have, and it would have made him look a little bit better. Um, Al Gore won that election. We are not doing this twice in a week, but Al Gore won that goddamn election anyway. Yeah, but if he had been the bigger man, he probably could have beaten him in 2004. Yeah. If he yeah. ran again. But either way, uh, written by Paul Lieberstein. Actually, both episodes uh, that we're going to talk about today were written by the the one and only Paul Lieberstein, a good good friend Toby. Our cast of now, characters. Now, I want to point out that a couple episodes ago, you said that that would be, I, and I can't tell you which one it was, but you had mentioned that, was gonna that be this our last is the Toby. last time we're going to see Paul Lieberstein, and he's back again, buddy, and I'm glad he to is. see him. He is. Uh, the wiki is just failing me. That's what it is. So at this point, I'm not going to the wiki to talk about what other stun- what other ones they've done. If we have a new writer, then I'll look up some cool shit. But we're, we're very familiar cool. with Paul Lieberstein at this point. Um, yes, our we cast are. cast of characters are Hank, Peggy, Bobby Hill, Lou Ann Platter, Dale, Nancy, and Joseph Gribble, Boomhauer, Bill Dotrieve, Con Min, and Connie Supanusimpone. We have a very brief appearance of Dooley. We have uh, Tilly Hill and Gary Kasner. This is the last voiced appearance of Gary Kasner, Mark. No shit. He shows up two more times. No, he shows up one more time with an unvoiced role and then is mentioned one more time in season 13. But at that point, Tilly will have broken up with him. That's Um, right. yeah, Yeah, she does break up with Gary. That's right. Which is insane. It's insane to me because Gary is incredible. Uh, we have Sharice. Is this Rob uh, the Stone Reiner? Cold Fox. We're not Rob Reiner, but it's um, not Rob Reiner's Rob dad. It's Carl Reiner. Carl, thank you. Yeah, but it, this is Carl Reiner again, right? This is Carl Reiner, yes. So he, we saw he did last the voice in The Unbearable Blindness of Laying. Yeah, yes. So yeah, yeah. I want to say he's done this voice two or three times in this point. But uh, good on them. I love Carl Reiner. May he rest in peace. Like, dude, anybody who's now. been. Anybody who was, who was, like, best friends with Mel Brooks for 60 fucking years has got to be a good dude. I I want to be best friends with Mel Brooks for six weeks. Please. Like, give me give me six hours. Uh, let me just go hang out and, and let me just go hang out with him for six hours. I, I can die a happy man. Let me be Homer driving Mel Brooks in my limo <laughs> for five minutes. Um... Let's, uh, let's get to a synopsis here. Uh, Bobby comes home from Arizona to find that his best friend got hit with a puberty stick, and Hank makes caskets. I went short and sweet with this week's uh, synopsis, Mark. I, I don't know if you could tell. It's fine. No, because you nailed it, but I want to amend it. Joseph didn't get hit with the puberty stick. Joseph climbed the puberty redwood, fell out of it, <laughs> and hit every goddamn branch on the way down. And somehow managed to pull out a Peggy Hill and survive. Yes. Yes. Um, so we, we've we got uh, an A story here and kind of a subplot B, but like it's not super tangential. Our A story characters, Bobby, Joseph, and Connie. B story is Hank and Peggy. Um, they kind of do their own thing, but then it comes around in the end. I don't know. Yeah. Kind of, sort of. I don't yeah. even know if we need them. I don't, I don't know. It's a fine little bit, but yeah. Yeah, they're, they're not really necessary in this episode. Um, no. And then, yeah, so let's get into some notes, man. What do you got for notes? Oh, I got some, I got some notes, baby. Um, uh, number one, when Bobby is in Arizona, uh, there is it's just up on the wall. It's just like uh, set dressing, but uh, Tilly's miniatures are there. I thought it's neat. I just think it's cool oh. that there's that. I never noticed yeah, that. I, 
I just think it's cool. It's just a neat little bit, and it's Tilly and her miniatures. Um, Arizona thing. I like that Bobby is still referring or still refer <clears throat> still referring to like Gary's you know various foibles as an Arizona thing because he doesn't understand what Jewish people are because he lives in Texas. Um, we have the first appearance of the restaurant Rattlesnakes. We have a new restaurant, yeah. and it's Rattlesnakes. Yeah, yeah, I noticed that too. Um, I don't know about you, I but I was a late bloomer. I didn't really hit puberty until about the age of fourteen in eighth grade. Okay. Um, yeah, because it was like I want to say it was like May of eighth grade, and then I went away for the or you know summer vacation hit, and then like I shot up to my current height. I dropped a ton of weight. I was a super little fat kid in middle school. And then, like, I, like, cut down from, like, 200 pounds to, like, 160 pounds. And, like, I grew chin hair and was hateful and just, yeah. Puberty hit me yeah. like a sack of rocks. But I was kind of a late bloomer. Um, I was even later than that, buddy. So good on you. Right on. Um, I'm very disappointed. This could almost be a con for me, but it's not a con for me. Um, Joseph and I have the same taste in women. R.E. <laughs> <laughs> but also but also um like in a gross in, in a not gross sense sharice i love big tall women i think like gwendolyn christie is the finest bitch i mean mark you've seen my wife you understand my thoughts on this okay yeah and with all due respect to your lady your lady is a mountain of woman that i would love to climb but i can't because <laughs> she's your lady like <laughs> i appreciate it are <laughs> <laughs> you killing me Um, as an animation note, I am 89% sure that we have a new Boom Hauer bastard at Bobby's party. Mm. It's not the same one we've seen because it's his hair Garth? is different. It's not Garth. Um, cause there's, is the one blonde, there's a couple like handful of blonde kids at, um, Tom Lander middle school that we've seen. And I keep calling them like Boom Hauer's bastards, but this one is definitely a bastard. He has a different haircut than Garth. He's got a, it's it, it's a new haircut. It's completely different and separate. I tried to take a picture and like when I took the picture, my camera like crossed the images so it didn't come out right. But okay. like it's a different haircut. It's the same color blonde as Boomhauer, but the same uh, tan skin tone as Boomhauer. So okay. I am calling it a new bastard of Boomhauer. Um, animation note: I can't tell, but I think Sharice might be drawn differently in this episode. She looks a little different. I noticed that too. And I don't know, maybe it's because like she gets her glasses knocked off and I don't know if we've ever seen her without them. Maybe that's it. But I feel like she looks, I, she just looks different through the whole party scene. I don't know. <clears throat> she doesn't look like um, a stone cold fox. <laughs> no, she does. That's the problem, Johnny. She, <laughs> she follows eighties rules. She lost the glasses and got hot. Um, um, I don't think that Khan would let Joseph into his house. Like we talked about in the sun, or he mentions in the sun that got away. Um, the worst that your boy can do is a hickey, but like Joseph Gribble is dangerous. I don't he's, think he's that straight Khan out of a Tennessee Williams in. play. Yes, exactly. Like Khan, I don't think that Khan would let Joseph into his house. It's just not a thing that would happen. Um, he's just worse than Bobby in every single way. Yeah. Um, also just like a personal note or whatever. Um, this is late teen drama and I hate it. I just hate this kind of yeah. shit, but God damn it. If this episode doesn't do it right and make it like 
I guess you call it digestible. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Because they're just good enough to, like, point out the, like, do you remember the tragedy that was puberty? Because this episode made me remember when. And, like, god damn, like, I remember just, man, even now, like, I'll still, like, get weird and cry for no reason. But I think that's because I have depression. But, like, um, I I, I, kind of remember when. And this episode does a really solid job of doing that. They do it effectively. So I guess I appreciate that. And also I might be wrong here, but I am almost a thousand percent sure that this is the first time that it's actually called the bugabago. It might be, it might be that might like you and I are just so used to calling it the bugabago because it is referred to as such for the rest of this series. But yes, that's a good catch. Yeah. Yeah. How about you, buddy? You got some notes for me? Uh, I do, but uh, shit, I feel I feel like I'm underprepared after listening to all that. Um, Mark, we <laughs> Just have because return... I talk a lot doesn't make you less than me, buddy. It's all right. <laughs> this is good because I do have some stuff in here you didn't touch on. Um, okay, cool. We, we have the return of Gary. It has been a while since we saw Gary Kazmer. And damn, do I miss him. Like, I'm really sad that yeah. him and he, if honestly, if you'd have kept Gary Kazmer, if you'd have somehow managed to, to get um, Carl Reiner to, to do more than one episode of, every two seasons and got him to be a regular i would not mind tilly you know he makes yeah. up for how weird i feel around tilly so I, i'm just i was happy to see him i was really sad to see that this was the last time we will hear him um yeah canonically bobby tilly's is 13 weird, years like, tilly's the kind of like same quality or like category as lady bird for me okay. she makes me nervous when she's on screen she's gonna yeah. fall apart She's ancient, she's decrepit, she's geriatric. I don't want to see her. Yeah. And she doesn't add a whole lot to it. But when she's got Gary, she does. Yes, she does. With the only exception being Yankee Hanky. But yeah, like... Right. Well, um, and I guess it's Kate from Party Island, but that one doesn't count. So canonically, Bobby is now 13 years old in the show. Yes, he And is. I'm just kind of curious, what do you... Do you think this was a good thing or a bad thing in, in terms of like the... A lot of people will refer to this versus The Simpsons, where Bart and Lisa have never aged. And they actually change things up and move the kids up in King of the Hill. Now, it only happens like once or twice. I like it. I'm into it. Um, A couple episodes ago, I got really horned up because they gave Nancy a weird down blouse shot while she was talking to Dale. And I talked right. about how, like... I think it's cool that they're animating these characters as actual humans. I like that Bobby is aging. Yes, he's aging at, like, a, a much more staggered pace than, like, you yeah. and I have or whatever. But, no, I think it's great. I think it's very cool. Because, okay. and, like, to The Simpsons, like, man, The Simpsons is 30 years old and Bart and Lisa are still 10. But they're not doing yeah. 10-year-old things. Well, you know, no. 10 and 8, respectively. But, like... No, I really like it. I really like that Bobby ages up. I think that it's cool. I like that there's now stakes. Like, so now um, we saw an ILA day. Connie has gotten her period. She is now, you just call it transition. Like, she's now becoming a woman. Joseph is now becoming a fully realized adult. Um, This is a sticking point for Bobby. He has to achieve, or not achieve. He has to, I don't know what you call that. He has to get to this level. He has to get there too. It's a goal for him to chase. Like, but at the same time, I'm glad that we never really see Bobby hit that weird, like, Joseph puberty spike. Oh, God, yeah. I don't want to see Bobby hit puberty. I want to see Bobby just, you know, have the smile that I want to pledge to protect for the rest of his life. Mm Mm-hmm. 
But at the same time, Bobby already, Bobby up until this point has always, we've talked, you and I have talked a lot before about how, like what a reasonable kid Bobby is. Like, right. He's, he's unduly mature for his age, but the fact that he's now 13, it's just a little different. It's just a little better. It's South Park moving from third grade into fourth grade. I like it. Yeah. I like when characters and animated TV shows age. Like, yeah. It doesn't happen very often. And I'm thinking of some of the more successful ones. You know, I don't think they've ever aged anybody up in American Dad. I don't think they've ever aged anybody up in um, Family Guy. They didn't age. Uh, there's the one episode where Chris has his first day of high school where he goes right. to be a missionary because he doesn't want the freshman beating. But yeah, like not disagreeing, but yeah, like you never, they don't talk about it ever. Yeah. And it's well, and it definitely doesn't continue. It may be a one-off. Um, I look at Bob's burgers as the biggest offender of this because those kids, I mean, that show is 10 seasons plus now and those kids have never changed. Their ages never changed. And it's like, guys, I really want to see some progression here. And I think you could get a lot of life out of it. So I'm glad that there are shows that around that still do this, albeit fewer of them, um, like King of the Hill, where they go, no, you know what? We're going to use this as a logical progression to, to get into different types of stories now. Yes. But at the same time, in like real time TV with like real, well, how do you do that? With like real human actors. Um, mm-hmm. I feel like Home Improvement got super shitty there for a while. Like yeah. when, um, when like, oh, what's his name? Not Jonathan Taylor Thomas, the other one who can't act. I want to say Brad <laughs> Dorff, and that's not it. But the blonde one, Brad, <laughs> right? Yeah, Brad. Like, he, he was a shit actor as a kid, but he was kind of cute because you could forgive it. But then, like, in later seasons, he was even shittier, and then he just got fuck ugly. So you get <laughs> shitty acting plus fuck ugly, and it's, nobody enjoys it, you know? Right. Yeah. Um, God, I'm, I'm going to get back into notes here because otherwise we're going to spend forever. Uh, Breckenmeyer is now here. We're not going to hear Who's Brittany Murphy. Breckenmeyer's Joseph, right? Yep. We're not going to hear Brittany Murphy okay. do Joseph anymore. It is now Breckenmeyer. And I'm sad to see Brittany Murphy go because I feel like she adds a lot to things, but she didn't do a whole hell of a lot with the character for Joseph. So, uh, Breckenmeyer gets real good. Um, Peggy is. And just for funsies, why do we know the name Breckenmeyer, Johnny? Um, I mean, I don't honestly know. Robot Chicken is the big one for me. Is that what? Hold on, let me see what else he's in. Everything he's in. I can, I, so I can he's a recognize. Very prolific voice actor. I can recognize his voice, um, but he is. He was in Road Trip. He was in Clueless. He was a big '90s star. I want to yeah. say he was. He was uh, Franklin or Bash in whatever the fuck that is. Like he did a bunch Franklin of stuff with Bash. Justin Long and and Amy Smart and stuff like that. He's he's yeah. an interesting dude. I would love to meet him in person. Um, Seems like a cool dude. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He seems very down to earth. Um, yeah, so we have we have him. Peggy is so cringy in this episode, and I'm gonna use this as a, a segue into my reference rage. Who learns anything okay. at a learning annex anymore? Let alone how to be a DJ. I'm just gonna go watch a fucking YouTube video. <laughs> because YouTube is now our learning annex for adults. Like it, God, it really is. Um. I, I don't know why I wrote this in notes. It just says this episode is so hormonal. Because it, it is. is. <laughs> it is. But I don't know why I put that in notes. Maybe because I didn't want to classify it as a pro oricon. Um, Cause, yeah, because it's just yeah, it's just a thing that yeah yeah. It's a note about the episode. 
And then out of the like 900 like weird 90s pop songs, I only recognized one in this, Mark, and it was Genie in a Bottle by Christina Aguilera. I need to get better about paying attention to music, but yeah. And then I got kind of depressed that it was Genie in a Bottle. Yeah. Like, out of um, the blonde weird people, I prefer Britney Spears, but yeah. No, I, I'm right there with you. Uh, I'm going to jump into prose, though, if that's cool with you. Yeah, please do. So Bobby is incredibly casual about Connie's menstruation at like six different points in this episode. He has no shame Bobby's in telling a reasonable people. Kid. Yeah, he's just like, oh, yeah, she's got her period. Oh, wow. Uh, give it 50 years and that'll go away, I guess. <laughs> I love it. I love Gary. Um, I am convinced. <laughs> I'm going to give you a second yes. to laugh at that. You're good. I'm good. I'm straight. You're good. <laughs> Um, I'm convinced that after his time in the retirement community, Bobby is just straight up an old Jewish man in a 12 year old's body. Bobby. Yeah. Okay. So Bobby's out the reincarnation of Lama Sanglug. He's just an old Jewish man. Mm hmm. Yeah. And yeah, I love yeah, it. Yeah, yeah. I love So to me and this, it seems like it should be outlandish, but him like casually just driving his golf cart up stopping his neighbors and going hey i'm having something here and having that that cute little banter with them like oh you want to bring some potato salad if she wants to bring her appetite too it it is so believable yeah. with bobby you've given me four full fucking seasons of this kid doing shit like this that i'm not even questioning it yeah you know i bitch a lot about like how bobby is kind of getting catchphrasey yeah but in this, he's not catchphrasey. He's just talking to people, and he, he's talking to people that view him on the same level as them. And that's when Bobby gets to be Bobby when he's yeah. on the same le- when he's an equal with others. Cause like, he's cause this isn't a line that he would have ever heard. Do you know what I mean? No. Like, I, I, I bitched, the, the one that stands out to me was like him trying to kiss Connie and he's all, come on, baby, don't be that way. It's like he, Bobby wouldn't use that line. Bobby wouldn't say that. Bobby's repeating something you heard on television. But uh-huh. with this, like, bring your, only, only bring your wife and if she's hungry, you can bring potato salad. I like that a lot. Yeah. Uh-huh. It's very organic. Um, yes. I, I put in here, Bobby is going to have a fruit pie hangover because when he comes home after me, after seeing Joseph and all this stuff and he's feeling crappy about himself, Peggy goes, how's my little man? You notice I said man? He's like, you also said little. And he's got five fruit pie wrappers in front of him. Yeah. That kid just went to town on five fruit pies. I love them very much. Not as much as Bobby apparently, but very much. And I couldn't crush five in a row. <laughs> I bet um, you could when you were 13, though. Oh, God. I probably could. I used to competitively train to be a hot dog eater, and my record is like 12. Oh, wow. Um, And then the last one I have on here, and it is a pro because it made me, like, I, I had those member feelings as well watching this episode. I remember the frustration of being late, being the Bobby kid where everybody else was hitting that and you weren't. Because yeah. you said yours hit about eighth grade, like the summer of eighth grade. Mine yeah. was not until well, I was a sophomore. Ninth, yeah. Mine oh, was wow. not until I was a sophomore in high school, like where I could visibly see things changing, where I finally started to get some some height, where I finally started to flatten out a little bit because I had always been a kind of a chubby kid, and I'm back mm-hmm. to being chubby, but that's my own damn fault. Um, <laughs> but like, it, yeah, and it was like very frustrating. I still, to this day, I can't grow a beard. 
it's just not in my genetics to grow facial hair like that. You know, I grow some some scruff and that's about it. Like I get a pretty dope five o'clock shadow and I can pull a Tony Stark if I let it grow for about six months. But oh shit, really? That's it. That's all I can grow. I, I have the Joe Dierte syndrome where it just grows in all white trashy. So you're just naturally white trash. That's that's all it is, man. I'm just I'm some inbred. God damn it! German. Now I gotta go watch Joe Dirt again. Thanks, Johnny. <laughs> that's Dierte. Don't you try and church it up, son. Um, <laughs> but yeah, so like, there's a lot of really good stuff in this episode that I I sat back and I went, wow, this this hits and this is it resonates and i think it's it's yeah. a good episode for a lot of people to watch especially ones that are our age or maybe even the generation before us you know i i don't know i've, I've never talked to my mom or my dad about how this sort of episode makes them feel because they grew up in a different time fucking boomers um <laughs> but like i know that my sister who is basically a fucking gen x has the same feelings around this shit yeah yeah um let's see. you got some pros did we already go over your pros we uh, no i i haven't given my pros yet um it's god dude again you are just resonating with me um give it 50 years it'll go away i laughed way too hard at that line uh-huh she's a um, little slip of a thing I, yeah i really like gary he's so good i just you know and, and i know that we love him i'm also glad that we don't really see him again because there's just it's so he's so good i don't want more of him because i'm afraid i would get sick of him honestly before this rewatch mark before you and i started doing this i did not care for him he was just kind of middle of the road he has quickly really? become one of my favorite cameos yes absolutely yes um i really like that he when gary tosses him the keys bobby doesn't catch him Bobby should no. not catch the keys. Fantastic nope. bit of just continuity. There's no fucking reality where Bobby Hill would catch those keys, and he doesn't, and I love that. Um, you already hit this one, too. Um, Bobby's driving montage. I love that. I love that whole scene. Like him just, like, <laughs> fooling about in the golf cart. I ordered pizza. Parentheses, Hank's face. He's so proud of himself for ordering pizza, and I think it's cute. <laughs> And then finally, because these are always few and far between for me, so I gotta call him out as a pro when I see him. Um, I love Dooley in this one with Joseph likes to watch. One line. It's just yep. one line. This is right, Dooley. This is the right execution and use and application of Dooley, and god damn it, it is, do I love it. It is five seconds of him coming out of a closet, which it's is this the first time we've seen him do it? Because it's definitely not the only time. Oh, dude, Dooley gets it in. Yeah, absolutely. Because there's... Oh, no, it's later on in this the series that we see him again because he gets pressured into it. But, yeah, it's oh, the perfect yeah. amount of time for him to be in the, the closet and just be like, mm, Joseph likes to watch. And then just immediately <laughs> exits with whoever he was in the closet with. Yeah. Um. Yeah, that's all I've got for pros. How about cons, buddy? Um. Kids make some really stupid choices. Yes, I think do. that's a that's a given, especially hormonal kids that are in the in middle school at a party like this. But Bobby yes, bringing do. Joseph in so that he can watch him mac on Connie is so gross. It just yeah. it gives me the ickies, and I know it's animated, and I know that they're all adults that are voicing these characters. It makes it feel so icky. So it's a con for me because it does not make me feel good to watch this. Um, and then I have a continuity here. I'm going to see if you okay. ca ca caught this. 
So Bobby walks up to Connie right before he catches her kissing Joseph. And what does he have in his hand? Oh shit! What is it? He's got a piece of his birthday cake because he's doing his whole. I'm gonna. I was gonna rehearse an apology. Oh but I'm shit! Just gonna throw oh, it out. Oh shit! Oh my god! You're right. Yeah. Right. So he's got the piece of cake, and then he throws it when he sees it. Yeah. And then when Peggy comes back out at the very end to present, she's the carried the cake birth- in for thirteen years. Uh huh. And it's uncut. Oh, god damn. Yeah. It is uncut. So little continuity error. That's that's me being a geek. But nope, fantastic. Well done. Yeah, but, but those are the only two cons. Point. Like, yeah. Oh wow. Um, how about Sorry, your cons, you man? say? I talked over you. Oh no, okay. no, yeah. I was just um, saying that's that's it. That's all I got. Um, I've got a couple. Number one, the death industry. I am really good friends with uh, the coroner here in town, and she tells me horror stories about how expensive it is to die. Johnny, do you know that you were? And I'm sure that you do because you were an undertaker or, or a graveskeeper for a while there. Like, yeah. man. It is so expensive to die, and that is it so is like shitty. Five thousand dollars on average, where we're yeah. at here, to buy your plot and be cremated and have your cremains buried. Not a full size burial, not a casket, a like one foot by one and a half foot box that's got your ashes in it, buried and and having a, a decent headstone. Five grand. Yeah. All of that is just so bad. Uh, she was telling me, like, just getting a death certificate. Because, like, anytime you need to do something. So, like, I die tomorrow, right? Yep. So, you have to, like, close out my retirement fund, close out my bank accounts. Anything that you do to close, you need to Needs present a death, a death certificate. certificate. Yep. Each one of those death certificates is $50 a fucking pop. That is yep. wrong. That is yep. goddamn wrong. I, I hate the death industry in America. Like, it's... Anyway, that's all bad. That's a con. I don't buy that Hank would build that shitty coffin. I just don't buy it. It doesn't I don't close. Either. Hank Rutherford Hill would not build that crap of a coffin. Especially not when people are watching. Yeah. Yeah, like it's being scrutinized, man. Like, yeah. Um I don't like Dale in this episode. Dale's really obnoxious, and I know that's kind of the point. Like because Joseph needs to be fed up with him. Yeah. But like, I don't like Jennifer. We're fine. I don't like any bit of him at dinner. I don't. <laughs> He's so don't proud know. of his kid though. Fine, but it's obnoxious. It is. Um, it is, but it's pride. That's what it is. Yeah. Uh, Con, the MPAA. Fuck the MPAA. Like, just fuck them. Just fuck them all together. <laughs> fuck all the MPAA. <laughs> See that right there? That would make this episode technically rated R because I said fuck three times in a row. That was four times. Like, now it's a rated R and you can't see it. And Bobby's not going to be able to sneak Joseph into this one because I said fuck five times now. But whatever. Um, Finally, uh, the airbags and the bugabago. Whatever. But then I think about it and maybe that isn't a con because I don't buy Dale buying into airbags. I'm sure he thinks that, like, getting hit with an airbag is a government plot to, like, diminish your like frontal cortex or some shit. I don't know. I'm sure that Dale has a reason against it, but yeah. Yeah. Uh, how about favorite moments, buddy? Uh, I've got a bunch in here. I've got a bunch. Um, Dale taunting Hank and calling him a sour. (laughs) That makes me laugh. It's one of the original, what does he say? Industrial arts. Original trades. 
Yeah. Yeah, and one of the five original industrial arts. I am upholstering. Yes. And then they immediately go into, yeah, but are you going to button tuck your folds? And it's like, okay. Yes. Okay. Yes. Um, I love the term Jolly Gribble Giant. That is so on point and so perfect for Han, or for uh, Khan. Like Khan gets two lines in this whole episode, and he he uses one of them to call Joseph Jolly Gribble Giant. And if that's not the most Khan line you've ever heard, I love Khan's like use of alliteration. He's really good at it. Yes, like to be an insulting dickhead. Like I love it. Um, I have this in all bold, Mark. You rock my okay. world. <laughs> <laughs> And it's, oh god talking about anything, like people with no lines in this min is amazing as i say is there any line that from con or min in this episode that's not just perfect not a one not one like this is the perfect amount that they don't need to be in here but damn do they punctuate and carry yeah. this and the very last one in here it might be the cruelest thing that bobby has ever said or will ever say to somebody no because you're <laughs> loose and cheap you're so loose and cheap. <laughs> like, it is, that is like ice. That is dagger to the heart right there. Yes. And he immediately knows that he screwed up the second it leaves his mouth. And I'm like, holy shit. That is also perfect of a 13-year-old to do because they're going to say something and not fucking think about it until right after it comes out of their mouth. Because your brain is literally composed of knee-jerk hormones. Like, yes. yeah. So. You don't know what what outcome is. You don't know what the next twenty minutes is. Like, man, yeah, you're living for the next. Maybe like go back and think about the stupid fights I got in with. I got into like a twenty minute screaming match in the parking lot of a Barnes and Noble with my mom because I I don't even know why, but I remember I got in a fucking screaming match with her about it. Like, right? Oh God, I hated this time in my life. But no, so those are my favorite moments. You rock my world is one of the best lines that men ever says. Yes, it is. Oh, yes, yeah. Yes, it is. Mm. How about you, man? <laughs> um, Again, once again, you are just channeling me. Jolly Gribble Giant. You're so cheap and loose. <laughs> <laughs> um, um, but, but, but the men line of uh, short and fat do this to you. Like, I love that. <laughs> Little hillbilly really packs a wallop. Yeah, I really like that. Um, but also, and I, I'm sure that this is going to be a point of contention with you. I love Peggy's cake wrap. God damn, do I love that whole Ugh. thing. I think it's great. She brings it out. She's so proud that she acquired this skill. Like, this is still good Peggy. This is Peggy being a good mom. She's trying to, like, still be there for her son, but she still wants to be included because it hurts to be shut out. So she just... So she's there, and she's all proud of herself, 13 and 0. I love every second of Peggy's uh, birthday cake wrap. See, 13-year-old Johnny, who is now also 32-year-old Johnny, would absolutely hate that. He would have hated it then, he hates it now, therefore I can't watch it. Yeah, but it's funny when it happens to them, and that's why I love it. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, man. Well, Mark, uh, I say we get into rating this bad boy so we can move on to our next one. What do you think? Hell yeah, buddy. Do you want to break down our rating system for us? Um, I absolutely do, but I don't have a fun, cute way of doing it. That way I can incorporate it into this. I mean, I, I was thinking like n- birthday cake, but I feel like that's way too subjective and controversial to actually I mean, work. So yeah. I-, I could do 90s songs if nah, you really too- wanted to. 
too subjective and controversial. Nah. Uh, fair enough. They don't Tell all what, have to we're be just gonna, We'll give you the regular one here. So our rating system is Too as much Gary ruins Gary. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's very true. Uh, our rating system is as follows. So at the very bottom of our rating tiers, we have charcoal. A charcoal episode is an F-rank absolute garbage tier. Charcoal is good for nothing but getting soot underneath your boy's fingernails. It's not clean burning. It's not a good episode. And you're probably going to watch it one time if you even finish it and then never watch it again. After that, we've got our Megalo rating. Megalo is kind of like the bronze tier here. There's a couple of good moments in it, but for the most part, the episode's pretty much a dud. Uh, Your Megalo is a bastard... Nope, that's a butane. Your Megalo is just not a very good episode. <laughs> uh, butane, which is our silver medal, is a bastard of an episode. You love to hate it. You hate to love it. It is, uh, it's a pretty good episode when all is said and done. It's average. You will likely watch it. You may turn on your phone halfway through and go, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. But then when the other story kicks in, you, you pay attention again. After that, you've got your Char King. Your Char King is fantastic. It is our gold standard. The Char King episodes are what make King of the Hill so fantastic and great. There's lots of good character development, lots of great jokes, and it's just overall one of those episodes you're never really going to miss. The only thing that that stops it from being perfect is the fact that without some context, these Char King episodes can be a little harder to watch for a new person getting into the series. Now... In order to combat that, we have our Blue Flame of Valor episodes. These are the absolute S-rank perfect episodes of not just King of the Hill, but TV in general. Our S-rank episodes are are everything that we include and love about King of the Hill that make you want to fall in love with the series and make you want to watch all 300-some-odd episodes that we've got. Um, some of our notable blue, blue Flames of Valor are A Firefight and We Will Go, and uh, let's see here, Mark. A what beer are, what can are named Desire. A beer can. Uh, yeah, my beer my first one ever was Plastic White Female. Uh, mine was the man who shot Kane Scredeberg. At this point, yeah. if if you've got a spare two hours to watch King of the Hill and you're kind of curious about what what this is all about, I think Mark and I have given you guys about five or six blue flames between the two of us. It's a good two hour chunk of time that you can dedicate and say maybe I do want to give this a shot. So, with that yeah. being said, Mark, uh, what do you want to rate uh, I Don't Want to Wait? I am giving it a butane. It's a pretty alright episode. Like okay. I said at the top of this, I find, um, not period humor, uh, puberty humor kind of cringy. I don't care. I don't like it, but at the same time, they handle this very well. Okay. And yeah, it's it's a good episode. Like. I will definitely leave it on if it's in the queue. It's it's all good. I like it. I don't love it. I don't want some more of it, but it's pretty all right. How about you, buddy? <laughs> Jesus. Um, <laughs> That's right. I, I, I fucking g- Billy Ray Cyrus your ass. Uh, I gave it a Char King, so I gave it a little bit okay. higher than you. Um, it, it's it got so many stupidly, ridiculously quotable lines. The hormones in this episode make it incredibly relatable. The way I look at this is I'm a big fan of the Netflix show Big Mouth, and this yeah. is a precursor to Big Mouth. This is what a toned-down Big Mouth episode would have been in the in the 90s, 2000s. And you have to start somewhere to get to where we're at. I love Big Mouth, and I don't think it could have existed without something like this paving the path for it and making making it so that this subject material was taken seriously. It's not just a big joke. Yeah. So... It's not a big joke. I like that they're handling it in a mature sense, but at the same time, like, there's that one that stands out for me with, like, Connie walking up to, or so Joseph is in the Bugabago, and Connie, yeah. like, runs up to him, where are you going? Wherever. 
an eighth of a tank of gas will get me. And they're like so fake and dramatic. Take me with you. And it's so stupid. It's so cringy. But at the same time, they do it so damn well. I love that. I, It's good. Yeah, it's good. Yeah. Right. Handled, well, handled properly. No, absolutely. Well, with that being said, Mark, let's get to our uh, next episode here. In number 88, Spin the Choice. Uh, we have original air date of November 19th, 2000. This is also written by our good friend Paul Lieberstein. Um, we have a smaller cast of characters here, but we've got some new folks, which is kind of cool. We're getting to see some more behind-the-scenes characters, it feels like. Uh, yeah. So we have Hank, Peggy, and Bobby Hill, John Redcorn, Joseph and Dale Gribble. Uh, Nancy is in here, but apparently not with the rest of the Gribbles. Bill Dotrieve, uh, Boomhauer, Luann Platter, and then Boomhauer's parents, Dr. and Mrs. Boomhauer. Did not until this viewing. Did that you viewing, for a loop that his dad was a doctor? Yep, it did not notice until this viewing. Like, uh, that's when I paid attention. I went, oh, shit. So, uh, synopsis for you, Mark. Bobby learns the true meaning of Thanksgiving on Rainy Street with awkward consequences. Redcorn struggles <laughs> with his relationship with Joseph. Yeah, I think that's about it. So, why don't we get into some notes, buddy? Sure. Um, you want me to start, you want to, or do you want to start, buddy? Um, I'm eating curly fries, so you should start. I will start then. Uh, number one, Joseph isn't going to college. Fuck you, red corn. But also, <laughs> if he is going to college, bit. but also if he is, he's going on a uh, sports scholarship. Absolutely. Um, the hell does that say? Oh, it's weird to me that we're already at Thanksgiving. We just had Happy Thanksgiving. Like, not. Maybe, and maybe it's because my timing is off because of the way that you and I do these, but it's right. weird that we're already here. We, I, I don't know. Like, we just had Happy Thanksgiving. We just had Hillenium. I feel like this is too soon. Again, though, the, like, the grand unified theory of uh, King of the Hill is that the timeline is made up and the points don't matter. It's true, but at, at the same time, I want to say both episodes uh, premiered in November. So it's like, it, it's fast for us because we're blazing through these. Yeah. But and maybe that's my problem, but um, I would not tell Luann about Nancy and John Redcorn when so her and Peggy are standing out there, and Nancy runs off to go talk to Redcorn, and Peggy goes, "Oh, she's distressed because her ex lover showed up." Don't tell uh-huh. Luann that. Luann will fuck no. that up. Don't uh-huh. do not do that. Like, yeah. No, I didn't um, say that. I thought it. Yeah. I lo- okay. I love that though. <laughs> <laughs> um. Woke Bobby is obnoxious. Um, do you think, and maybe this is just me, but like, I think that Carl Moss might be at Thanksgiving. He has no <gasps> lie. I have it I in here. seeing a dude that, yeah, right? It's Carl fucking Moss, right? And his, and what looks like either his weird ass frumpy wife or his mother. But she's gross, right? Like, mm-hmm. isn't that the point? Like, he hates his wife anyway? Yeah, it was just a weird note to me. Um... I also have a couple fun Native American notes for us, Johnny. Number one, the Anasazi did not range as far south as Texas. Mm. But also... Thank you, thank you. I already have it written down. I love it. Cool. Do you know why that John Redcorn says that the last people... His people didn't eat people from 700 years ago? Or no. Why Bobby says they last practiced cannibalism 700 years ago? Mm-mm. It's because they went extinct by 1200. Okay. The Anasazi, for all intents and purposes... Went extinct sometime in the year 1200. We don't know why. It's one of those weird uh, deals. 
Um, I have the note that I love Nathan Explosion Redcorn. <laughs> uh-huh. He has that scene in his house in his trailer when he's like yelling at Dale and his hair is down and he's got like the wild angry eyes and he looks just like like super tan Nathan Explosion. It, that's exactly what it is. Yeah. Yeah. And finally, I have a Mark's Moments of the Macabre for you, buddy. Mm. So, John Redcorn says, what about that DJ that ate eight people in Philadelphia? Do you know who that is, Johnny? I do not. Inform me. It is a piece of shit, a literal piece of human trash and garbage named Gary M. Heidnick, who is not only a big piece of shit, he was such a piece of shit that he was the chief inspiration for Buffalo Bill from Silence of the Lambs. Wow, okay. He kidnapped, tortured, raped six women, killed two of them, and also built a giant pit in his basement. Okay. He was put to death by lethal injection of July in July 1999. Wow. But, but, as a fun little side note here, he did not eat anybody. That was a rumor made up by the prosecuting attorney that they could not prove. Okay. I'm going to guess it was one of those 1970s serial killers that just ran rampant. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, he was one of the really, really bad ones, but he was also a DJ at a local Philadelphia radio Philadelphia radio station. Okay. Yeah, I read a whole, I read a bunch about him, and he's a piece of shit. I'm just not gonna finish. Or are you still eating fries? <laughs> I am. Okay. Because um, I'm gonna so go I and found... eat that fucking like remnants of my giant meat pile as soon as we're done here, because I am fucking starving. Hell yeah. Uh, so the, uh, they make a note early because we're back to Dale helping Redcorn figure out the stuff with his land. And yes. Redcorn makes a note that the Utes and the Uray have gotten uh, a bunch of their land back on their reservation and they can use it as precedent. And Dale makes his funny joke of, I don't know what precedent means. And I just yes. want to point out that literally right by where I live and you guys, I mean, it's not really all that strange. And by the time you hear this, I won't live there anymore. So you can't come and stalk me. Um, right by me is a town named Uray. Uh, there is a, um, I want to say it's like a little, it, it, they call it a lake, but it's not really a lake. It's like a little tiny body of water. Um, but it's called Chapita and it's named after Chief Uray's wife, Chapita. And that's right here in town where you can go fishing and all this stuff. So the Utes and the Urays and all that stuff, like there was a big Ute tree just north of me, like 20 miles north of me. This is all stuff that is right directly in my neck of the woods. The official Uray Reservation is in Utah, just on the other side of Grand Junction, which is about an hour north of hour north of me. So he's specifically talking about a bunch of stuff that like is right in our neck of the woods, which I think is really cool. Um, yeah. It's one of the only cool things about where you and I live is that there is so much native history here because like six or seven different big tribes lived in and around Colorado, either on the plains, in the mountains, or on the western slope. Yeah. Shit. The Anasazi's biggest like thing, because they're the they're the big focus of this episode, is um right down by four corners, which is Colorado, mm-hmm. Utah, Arizona, and New Mexico. And it is the ruins of Mesa Verde. Mm-hmm. And it's like one of the only things that they have left. And so I just, I, I get all a little bit geeky. I love learning about the Native Americans and all the, the cool shit that they did here. It's like the one thing that makes me kind of proud to be a Coloradan. Colorado is literally, I think it's a Navajo word or a Ute word that means the color red and redstone. 
Yeah. Like Colorado is a, is a native word for red rock. So I'm like, okay, I can get that. Um, because yeah. Colorado is rife with goddamn Jurassic formation. So just to that end, um, you know Red Rocks Amphitheater, Johnny? Yes, I do, and Morrison. Yeah, and then you know Garden of the Gods? I Springs. do. And that the Flatirons in Boulder. Yeah, those are the same three formations. It's called the Morrison Sandstone Formation. Yep. Yep. It grew about, it formed about 65 million years ago during the Jurassic. It's pretty cool. It's cool as shit. Um, so I just, I, I think it's kind of cool. We get to talk a little bit about natives that are actually, they're supposed to be in Texas, but they're actually in our neck of the woods. So, yeah. We, we just get also, to fun them. point, tangentially talking about cannibals and natives, um, Alfred Packard. He uh-huh. was picked up by a band of Ure Indians. Interesting. Yeah. They, they, uh, during his like weird shenanigans, they found him and he piled around with Chief Ure and Ure like vouched for him and was like, nah, this guy's all right. And he was Colorado's most famous cannibal, but that he was. Um, yeah. so. Uh, we'll truck along down the notes here. Uh, thanks taking is a staple phrase in my house, and I absolutely love Thanksgiving. I love it as a holiday, but I love saying happy thanks taking. I know you do. It makes me happy every single time I, I hear it. I think you even in the one, so we cut that one, the the very first Thanksgiving episode, like when we started this, um, and we had recorded it like the week of Thanksgiving, and I, we were like, yeah, it's Thanksgiving. You're like, you mean thanks taking? Every time, man. Every time. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, I wrote in here in my notes that we now find out that Boomhauer's dad is a doctor, which is badass. What um, kind of doctor do you think he is? Gynecologist. Really? Okay. It's Boomhauer. I was thinking cardiologist, but all right, that's fine. <laughs> he's a Boomhauer. He's, like, he's got to be a gyno. Um, <laughs> okay. Uh, we So Redcorn is... I think they make it a point to to bring up the Anasazi because that's what they want to associate Redcorn with, right? Is that what you're getting? No, 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 because we established in the Arrowhead that either uh, that Redcorn is either um, Tonkawa, um, Kato, Kato, or Tonkawa. Okay, okay. And then one, um, so one of the two, and you had found this out, and I want to say it was the Tonkawa, and I really should have listened to our, I should have listened to that episode before we did this one. But we established that one of the two tribes was known for cannibalism, so it was this perfect crossover. And I think that they picked the Anasazi because the Anasazi are an extinct tribe, so you can't talk shit about an extinct people. Like, <laughs> you you can't know what I mean? piss anybody off. Yeah. Yeah, because I, I, as far as I know, there may or may not be, like, you know, um, extinct just... Tonkawans and or Cato tribe uh, uh, peoples. I've... So, I like, looking... if you can't say, like, oh, yeah, Redcorn's a Tonkawa, so he's a cannibal, but then you have these, like, this an actual indigenous group in Texas. It's like, hey, fuck you, buddy. Like, Right, right. Well, yeah. and I was looking up, and they say the direct, like, descendants of the Anasazi, because they, they all, they that specific thing did disappear, but the remnants of them formed, like, the Pueblos, and there was another one as well. But they don't, they don't call themselves Anasazi. They're, they're their own thing they incorporated themselves into other tribes um yeah but uh so ignore my my line that you can't actually see that i wrote that red cords and on because you're right they did talk about him being a tonkawa or uh or something different um but the anasazi did not you already brought this up did not inhabit texas and they were also mostly mm-hmm. vegetarian 
Yeah, we still sell Anasazi beans at work. It's this big goddamn yep. deal. They found beans in Mesa Verde that they reconstituted and then replanted. And it's like, oh, these are pretty fucking good. People go yeah, batch it. They're really good here. for you. They're really good for yeah. you. Um, they grow them out of Dove Creek, which I, if I, my Colorado geography is right, is kind of next door to you, but not quite. It's real close. Real yeah. close. Yep. Um, and then the last note I have in here is we now find out what Joseph's middle name is. Joseph John. Joseph John Gribble, obviously That's named after s- Redcorn. So can I just come out and say that Robert um, Butch Hill ro- slash Robert Jeffrey Hill is a better name than Joseph John? Uh, I would say so. And my name is John, so I'm not even offended. Well, no, but I mean like alliteration and middle names is stupid. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Uh, he's JJ. Mark Zachary JJ Jones. Like, yeah. Ooh, but JJ Gribble's a hell of a fucking news anchor. <laughs> there you go. Uh, Mark, let's get to pros, man. I, so I have very few because this is one of those ones that I just watched, but I got you here. Uh, okay. Number one, Johnny. It's so juicy. <laughs> Every fucking time. Every fucking time. Um, uh, Johnny, don't you dare use that Frenchman's wave with me. <laughs> That's in my prose. And then he does it again. He does it again. Uh, I know I said that I don't like woke Bobby, but I like, like, grossly defiant Bobby. And he's just like, eh. I love that. Yep. Um, pro, the Boomhowers. I like to see Pa and Ma Boomhauer. I think it's really cool. And finally, uh, Dale's window jump out of Redcorn's trailer. <laughs> right? After not getting out of the top. Yeah. I, I have made a note, or I have made it, like, my personal, like, mission to note every single Dale fence jump and or window leap. And god damn, is that not a... Man, dude, Dale Gribble is kind of athletic. That's like a six to... What is that? Like, a, probably an eight-foot drop that he just nails yeah. perfectly. Like, good on Dale, man. How about you, buddy? Um, you already brought up the Frenchman's wave. Thank you for that. Um, <laughs> I Spin the Choice is so asinine, and the only person it would ever work for, that whole entire concept, is Peggy. And so it is perfect. It is perfect for Peggy. I hate the concept of Spin the Choice. I would rather watch her play Boggle, but I'm glad that they went and tried something new. I'm glad they tried something new too, but I'm also glad that Luann got her line of, oh, everybody hates your buckle tournaments, Aunt Peggy. Yep. <laughs> but it's um, because you give grades instead of prizes. When Bobby calls out Hank for being the white man and being so mean to John Redcorn and taking his land, all three of his best friends turn on him like, why did you do that? Hasn't he suffered enough? And that's Holy always, shit. always gets a tickle out of me. Yes. And the the biggest pro in this is the emotion we see from Redcorn in this episode. Yeah. Like, god damn, do I feel it. I should have I given him more credit minute. to John Redcorn. Like, this is a really... This might be our last good John Redcorn episode. Yeah, I think it is. And it really, it puts a pin in the uh, will they or won't they tell Joseph that, about his parentage. It's not yeah. even ever questioned after this. Yeah, absolutely. So. Yeah, but that's what I've got for pros. Like I, I, I Mark, you know the uh, name of the uh, actor who plays Redcorn, but I don't know it off the top of my head. But dude, Jonathan give him Joss. A, yeah, give him a fucking Emmy for this episode. He really kills it. He really, really kills it. Yeah, like he is. He is our honorary Brittany Murphy for this fucking episode. I lied. I'm sorry. We see another one. 
um, when he thinks that Hank is trying to seduce Nancy. Mm, yeah. And I because it's that line, I want my Nan Nan. <laughs> yeah. Um, give me some cons, buddy. I've got two. And only one of them I can... What the fuck does that say? <laughs> oh, there. Okay, I got it. I got it. Number one, con. Electric knife. Hank talks all this good shit about how juicy and fucking moist his turkeys are. Be a man and use a goddamn knife that you sharpen by hand. Electric knives are for pussies. And secondly, man, 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 man. I miss bookstores. I miss sitting in a bookstore. I miss... I'm. Oh, God, like... When I was a kid, like, if... If, like, my mom had to, like, kill, like, an hour in Colorado Springs or something, she would just drop me off in a bookstore in Colorado in, like, the Borders, or, no, it was a Barnes & Noble. No, it was Borders. Borders in the fucking uh, Chapel Hills Mall. She would just drop me off and go, like, all right, just don't get into trouble. Okay, mom. And I would just go read books for, like, an hour. And, uh-huh. man, I miss bookstores. But then, um, also, yeah, that's that's all I got. I, I don't have a lot of cons for this one. Um... I have, it's not a hard time. I, I am, there are, to, to quote a Native American uh, story, there are two dogs fighting in me where I do feel like this is a weird, very special episode about like Native rights and stuff and like right. the, the treatment of indigenous people. And then like, I don't, I don't agree with Hanks wanting to gloss over like how bad Natives have gotten it. But at the same time, like, don't gloss over what our forebearers have done. But like at right. the same time, we all have horror in our backgrounds. And the important thing is to acknowledge said horrors, said atrocities. And don't continue it. Don't continue it. Don't fucking continue it. God damn it. Give Native Americans a better shake than their shitty little reservations. But like, but I, I just, it's bad. You know, like. Do I think that we need reparations? No, not so much. But at the same time, God damn, man, maybe black people ought to have free college, you know, like, yeah, yeah, stuff like that. And it's, it's a weird dividing line for me. And it's not a con. It is a con, but it's an, I don't know how to take it because I'm white, but I'm also the second generation of immigrants. My grandmother's family came over from Greece and they were shit kickers in Nebraska. Like they were so fucking poor. Like. You know, it's it's kind of rough, and I understand that, and I appreciate it. We all, every single one of us comes from tragedy. Every single one of us comes from heartbreak, except for, you know, like, the 1% of you dickheads that think you're better than us, but then you also say that, like, well, our rights are being taken. No, fuck you. You've had it too good for too long. Right. Eat a dick, Whitey. Like, I also, I also at the end of the day, just end up hating Whitey, but yeah. <laughs> yeah, Whitey. Guys. I'm just Dangle Podcast is here to say, be good to each other. It doesn't matter what we were; it's what we need to become is better to each other. That's my point. I'm done talking. Yeah. You talk now. Oh, you're good, buddy. Guess what's back, Mark? What's that? Redcorn's shitty '80s music. Hmm. Yeah. What's he listening to this time? White Wedding. Fuck you. White Wedding is an amazing <laughs> song. Yes, but any th- any song I now associate with Redcorn and his shitty Jeep is bad. So that's just what it is. Um, oh. You already mentioned to me that Carl Moss is randomly showing up at at uh, the Thanksgiving party. I'm glad you yeah. noticed that. I didn't notice it till this time, and I'm like, huh. Um, and I finally have something that is going to be of some use to you, Mark. 
Okay. I need you to go and make a gif of the uh, Bill winning a Winnebago. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> I need you to yes. take a gif of this. And I need you to remind yourself every time you start getting hot for Luann that she looks awful in the end of that scene. Interesting. Okay. It will immediately ice your loins, buddy. Immediately. Because she looks frumpy as hell. I've never seen a less, less sexier Luann. Okay. I'll, I will go back and make it because, you know, you and I already talked, you and I already talked, my, I've crossed my event horizon over Luann and yeah, but yeah. And this is, this yeah, is yeah, going to yeah, be yeah. a useful tool for you, but uh, that's what I got for cons, man. You want me to jump into some favorite moments? Cause I don't think I have any re- reference rage for this. Oh, I'm trying to think of retro reference other than like bookstores aren't really a thing. Yeah. 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 What, what you, what you got buddy? Uh, the only favorite moment I have in this episode is, oh, God, it's so juicy. And I swear, <laughs> it's another one of those I quote it every time I see you for no damn reason, and it just works. Now, I don't know when you're going to be around me when I can get my hands on a turkey and make you a turkey, but I guarantee you I will get into said turkey that I have made for you next time I see you or whatever. I'm going to cook you a goddamn turkey is my point, and you will exclaim, Oh my God, Mark, it is so juicy. It's so juicy. I will take a video and we will put it on our Twitter. Guys, also, I meant to ask you this. Do you have any turkey tips? We always talk about cooking shit on here. Do you have any turkey tips? Are you a turkey guy? Do you cook turkeys? Um, I've made a few turkeys. Usually my wife makes them. Um, I'm a big fan of, uh, you don't need to do a salt brine or anything weird and crazy and shit like that. Um, Yeah. If you have the skill to keep your fingers and the skin in between the, the meat and the skin of the turkey separate, then get a couple of like restaurant thickness pats of butter and shove them underneath Ooh. before you put it in because then the butter will sink into the meat as it cooks and it's under mm-hmm. the skin. So the skin itself gets nice and crackly and all that and it's, and it's bueno and solid, but then you get nice like butter penetration. Mm-hmm. And I've never gotten a chance to do it, but I've never really needed to. But I've always kind of wanted to use a turkey baster. Like, okay. I almost always use mine in a turkey bag, so I keep all the juices in that way. And I, it doesn't oh, really, really. I don't have to worry about it. Like, I almost always use a turkey bag. Interesting. I've never used a bag. Yeah. So I'm sure you've, you've used a baster plenty of times, right? No. No, never, not once. Um, mm. I, rock, I rock the Alton Brown method. So... Number one, I so number one, my grandmother taught me you massage the turkey with butter. I go through two cubes of butter and just work that shit into the skin. Okay. So you do that, and then you make a breastplate out of foil. You throw the turkey, you put your oven at 500 degrees, and cook it for half an hour. Then you put the breastplate on the turkey, stab that bitch with the, your thermometer probe, and then drop it after half an hour down to 325. And you cook it until it tempts. I can cook a turkey in two and a half hours. And man, okay, so for Christmas I made one, and my father-in-law's complaint was, it's too juicy. (laughs) And I almost punched my father-in-law, but that's a different story. But yeah, that's that's how I do them, yeah. My point is, Alton Brown is the goddamn man all the goddamn time. Johnny. He really is. Yes, he is. Oh, I don't have a favorite moment, I guess. I 
I don't know. I don't have a favorite moment. It's a good episode, <laughs> but there's not anything that really stands out to me. Um, you know what? No, I take it back. I take it back. I do have a favorite moment. It's Joseph talking to Dale and like tangentially Redcorn at Redcorn's trailer. And okay. he's saying like, my mom talked to me and she told me how, you know, we're all, she told me about like how bad the white man was to the natives. And then she told me how we're all children of the earth. That's a really good little bit there. Can I give Nancy some props to this for being able to explain that? And I love her argument right at the beginning where she's like, what, what would your dad do if he had all of his like favorite areas to hunt and to go and all of that stuff just taken from him? Because that's a real thing for Dale. Dale does go hunting. He does a lot of that yes, shit. Yes, he does. It's, it's a very easy way to like get Joseph's attention and say, no, this is why this is important. And you need to listen to me for a minute. Yeah. Nancy's I, not usually know, that yeah, smart, so, uh, but damn. Yeah, I, I amend it. I do have a favorite moment. It's it's Joseph talking. Wow, it's weird to have Joseph in a favorite moment, Johnny. <laughs> and him not being gross. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, it's it's him talking to, to, to Dale and Redcorn. Yeah, that's my favorite moment. Very also, good. Also, also, I, I also really, I, it's not my favorite, but I really appreciate Hank saying like, trying to talk and go, well, this is a nice piece of land. And then the truck drives by and drowns him out. <laughs> and Redcorn yeah. goes, I'm going to sue the highway department and have them put in a sound dampening wall. Yeah. I love that. It's really good. Not a favorite moment, but I really do enjoy that little bit. Oh, yeah. When it's not the last we'll see of uh, Redcorn's 12 acres. Nope. No, it isn't. We're about to. It's the last time we're going to see it, and it's going to be enjoyable, though. Yeah. Because there's a hole in my pocket where John Corn, where John Redcorn's plot should be. There's a and hole, and it's not good, but it's a hey, hole. Hey, I want a big old slice of Big Mountain Fudge Cake, okay? I don't. I'm on a fucking diet. <laughs> <laughs> Mark, let's let's rate this guy so we can get out of here. Raider, Raider, what are you giving her, buddy? Uh, I gave it a Char King, man. Spang the Choice gets a Char King from me. It is packed okay. with emotion. It's got a wonderful resolution. I feel like it's a very special episode that doesn't kick you in the face with it. And like like you were saying, that, that whole moment at the end with Joseph, it really like – it drives home the fact that, you know what? You you got your, your finality. You got your answer. Joseph's never going to know unless he figures out on his own that Redcorn is his dad that that's the case. No one's ever going to spill the beans. It has got the, the pin is in it. It's not going anywhere now, but he's never going to figure it out. <laughs> no, he's not. He's, he's a fucking a sack of hammers. That's the Nancy in him. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, it's, it's a wonderful, wonderful episode. And I, I would absolutely watch this. Like it, I don't usually skip it, but I also really like count. Uh, wow. I almost said Halloween, uh, Thanksgiving episodes. So very true. Yeah, I'd much is, prefer this oh, one. So, so we've seen three Thanksgiving episodes. Okay. Nine Pretty Darn Angry Men. Yep. Happy Thanksgiving. Yeah. And then Spin the Choice. What's your favorite Thanksgiving episode? It's Spin the Choice. Oh, shit. Mine is Nine Pretty Darn Angry Men. That's a close second. It's a close second. <laughs> because if nothing else to the stuffing, it may be trash, but it goes down. <laughs> like, You know... <laughs> Lane Prattley, even though he's a horse's ass, does know how to sell somebody a Hyundai. <laughs> and finance you those pinstripes. I, I'm i going to find a way to, t to call Lane Prattley a horse's ass in every episode from here on out, I think. Challenge accepted. I'm going to hold you to it, buddy. Like, I really want merch that says Lane Prattley is a horse's ass. 
I will rock that t-shirt. <laughs> anyway, um, I'm giving this a butane. It's a really, it's a really all right episode. Okay. Um, so Johnny, I have a very important question for you. No, oh, let's, let's uh, get her going, Mark. Okay. And I can ask you this, or you can pass, or you can choose to pass, or you can choose to choose to spin to pass. But do you still like King of the Hill, Johnny? Even with that asinine introduction, yes, I still love King of the Hill. How about you, Mark? I hate Peggy in this episode. She's so terrible. It's like horned up as I was for her for I don't want to wait. I hate her in this one. This is brain um, damage, Peggy. This is brain damage, Peggy. Like this is like the convoluted scheme of a brain damage of a brain damaged brain. Yeah. No, I still love King of the Hill. Some really good episodes. We're still doing all right. I know I've been saying a lot of shit about like we jumped a shark. You know what? Whatever. There's no shark yet. I don't even think we had a shark. There's not a shark. It's all good. We're good. I love King of the Hill. Johnny, where can these sons of bitches find us? Uh, these uh, lovely people that are not sons of bitches can totally They're find sons us sons of bitches. <laughs> They're just like Lane Prattley. Sons of bitches. Uh, they can find us at Dango Podcast on Twitter, at Dango Podcast on Instagram, and dangolepodcast at gmail.com if you're into that sort of thing they can find me at kraut ball stream on twitter that's kraut as in sauerkraut ball as in swedish meatball and stream as in the virgin anasazi uh they occupy the area in and around the virgin river and muddy waters in hesperus colorado Ooh, man i'm proud of you for that blue flame of valor to you sir that was good <laughs> I'm trying, buddy. I'm trying. How about you, Mark? Where can they find you? Uh, you can find me at Marky Stardust on Twitter, or you can find me at our sister podcast, the Two Wizards Podcast, where me and my good buddy Josh take a variety of topics and discuss them. And it's a lot of weird shit, but hey, I am told that we are enjoyable while being compelling. And uh, yeah, let's get the hell out of here, buddy. I say so. Thank you, everybody, for listening, and have a wonderful evening. We love you all, everyone. Thank you. Good night, everybody.